Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Hey everybody, my name is Nick. Welcome to the Profoundly Pointless Podcast. I want to thank you so much for listening. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share, all those kind of things. I want to start off the show with an announcement. We have moved our podcast hosting site. We switched over to a new one. We're now on Podbean. If you're listening to this, it basically means absolutely nothing. So there's really no reason for me to mention it other than the fact that for some reason I feel like I should mention it. Moving on from that, I think we've got... I think this is going to be our best show so far because we've got a really interesting guest. His name is Levi Schinkel, and he's a dinosaur hunter. He's with the Wyoming Dinosaur Center, and he's literally the guy that goes out when they find dinosaur bones. He digs them up. He catalogs them. He puts the skeletons together, all those kind of things. And I was just really fascinated about how that process actually works. And not only do I think the conversation with him is really something to hear, but it leads into the conversation that we then had with John Shaw. I'm always a big believer in the idea that after about two years, you've pretty much heard everything that somebody has to say. You can pretty much tell what they're going to say in any given situation until they say something completely new. And there was something that John said in our conversation that just made me go, What? What? And I'm not trying like I'm not trying to make fun of my boy. But I was definitely surprised to hear him say this. So you got to hear what he has to say. Let's get right into though our first interview. This is Levi Schenkel with the Wyoming Dinosaur Center. Were you really into dinosaurs as a kid or how did you get started in this? As long as I can remember dinosaurs have been like the thing. You know, I'm sure I could say some of the more complicated names before I could say my own name. It seems what, what was it about them? Size, teeth, you know, you don't see them every day. Something about them being, you know, not being on Earth anymore that's really, has always been of an amazement to me. I, I mean, I think a lot of kids are necessarily, they're usually pretty interested in dinosaurs. And I don't, I don't mean this in, an, in, a, in a bad way. How come you didn't, what was it about it that you didn't necessarily, quote unquote, like grow out of it? You know, honestly, I don't know. I started where I'm at out of high school like I I, start, I, I was in a, a work placement class in my high school and I, I currently I still work with dinosaurs so like I started at this museum that I'm at now right out of high school and that kind of re-sparked the interest so it kind of it kind of died down in, in the high school years but having the hands-on experience of actually working with dinosaurs day in and day out it's really brought back the passion and I'm in charge of all the bones once they come out of our preparations lab I make sure they're cataloged photographed and properly stored so when we want to put one on display or a researcher comes, they should, you know, I should be able to just take them right to where they want to be and show them what they want to see. When you're touching one of these bones, to me that just sounds, this thing, I mean, they have to be huge, right? Some of them can be. We dig up a lot of sauropods in our quarries, and those are the big long neck guys. And some of their bones, like their, their leg bones, like their upper leg bone, the femur, that can weigh in excess of 350 pounds by itself. How do you move them? 
lots of people and lots of back injuries. Are they delicate or are they still pretty solid? A little bit of both. It depends on how they were fossilized. Sometimes the the mineral content isn't as, as much in some, so they're a lot more fragile. They're a lot more brittle. There's some bones that have lots of thin processes. So those are more fragile than like leg bones. Those are just solid chunks of, of bone, big round cylinders. And those are a lot more hardy than say like a skull bone or parts of like the vertebrae. To me, if I was to pick up one of these things, I would just be in awe of the sense that this this is a hundred million or however many million years old, and this was a real thing. You know that was that was me every day first starting out of the first couple of years, but now you know as crazy as it seems, it sounds it's it's par for the course now. You know I see these on a on a daily basis. It's like oh yeah, that's a dinosaur bone. Cool. <laughs> but that first experience with it, what was that like? It, it's surreal. You know you. Like when we're digging them up, you're seeing when you uncover a bone in the field, you're seeing that bone for the first time in 140 million years. You're gonna be the first human to ever lay eyes on it, and that's just that's something else. I feel like it's almost it's such a span of time that it's hard for us to grasp if it's even real. People people don't grasp time well at all. Like to you and I, a hundred years is a really long time, but in the history of the Earth, it's a drop in the bucket. So how does that work? I mean. Somebody, you guys actively are out there looking for them. Somebody stumbles upon them. That's basically how they're found. We uh, we've been digging the quarries that we're at from over twenty years now, and they were first discovered by a European amateur paleontologist. He was actually a uh, veterinarian by trade, but he was really into fossils. So what they do is they they come out to a place like Wyoming and they look for a certain type of rock which in our case is the Morrison Formation. So you find that rock, and then you walk along it until you see something sticking out of the ground, and you start digging it, and you just hope that there's more. How often will you guys find an intact skeleton? Or do you just find it bits and pieces? Hardly ever. Jurassic Park has really made the science of paleontology sexier than it is. <laughs> we find lots of individual elements. We have uh, a few of our quarries are, are uh, bone beds, so there's multiple individuals in one spot. And it's up to our paleontologists to be able to discern, you know, this leg goes with this animal, this arm goes with this one. One of our quarries alone has produced some 2,000 bones from at least three different individuals. That's great. How can you tell the difference between, like, say, Dinosaur Fred and Dinosaur Tom? Best guess, usually. Size is a, a good indicator. Even within the same the same species, you can, you'll be able to kind of just... Oh, yeah. Like, uh, you know, you, your bones and my bones are going to be different because we're, we're, we're different ages. You know, we have different different diets. So there, there's all sorts of indicators, you know, that make the bones different. And we can look at these and say, you know, this one's slightly smaller than this one, so it probably doesn't go with this one. So we put it as a, you know, that's a, a new specimen, a new, a new animal. In, if somebody finds one, like how long of a process are we talking to get it up, get it into the museum, all that? The, the easy part is digging them up. Once they come down into our preparations lab, for every hour that we're in the field digging it out of the ground, somebody's going to be in our, our lab preparing the bone for another six. Why is that? It's just, it's, it's far more tedious. They're cleaning off every, uh, as, as much rock as they can get off. And we're using little handheld pneumatic jackhammers to clean those off. And most of the time we start with uh, toothbrush and water. We try to do the least invasive way first and then work our way up to the more mechanical and harder on the bone. Have you ever broken one on accident or like, oh, man, I really just messed this up? I found my first bone with a pickaxe. 
we've got really good glues. Breaks happen all the time. What What is it about Wyoming? You know, that's a good question. I honestly don't have an answer for that. It's just luck of the draw. One thing for like where we're at, we have a very hard uh, sandstone on top of all of our dinosaur like layers, and that helps to keep the dinosaur layers from eroding away. Are people generally surprised every time they find one of these? I mean, 140 million years is a long time. Like, oh yeah, I mean, it, it, to see their eyes light up when they see something, you know, when they uncover something for the first time, it, it, that never gets old. I think most people probably, when they think of dinosaurs, they could maybe name, let's say, five to ten different ones. Do you guys mainly find those kind of dinosaurs, or do you find ones that maybe people have never heard of? Uh, we find some of the big names. We find things like uh, Apatosaurus, Diplodocus, uh, Allosaurus, um, Stegosaurus should be in the area. We just haven't found any yet. Because they were the dinosaurs were essentially alive for... I mean, it's not like all of them were alive at the same time, right? No, we're talking a, a span of, you know, 200 million years. The, the uh, from the, the from the start to the end, are, are are most dinosaurs generally very large, or are there some that are like our, our size and smaller? There's some that range down to a uh, the size of a chicken. You, have you seen Jurassic Park? Yes. The Velociraptor in Jurassic Park looks that's a, that's a fictional dinosaur. The real Jurassic Park or the real Velociraptor is roughly the size of a turkey. Is it really? It is. It's super underwhelming. My best guess is Steven Spielberg looked at that and he's like, there's no way that's going to make me $100 million. So they made it bigger and scarier. But were they pretty dangerous animals? I mean, or were oh, they... Oh, I definitely wouldn't. I wouldn't want to meet one in a well-lit alley. What goes through your head in a certain sense when some people are like, dinosaurs weren't real? It's usually an audible sigh and an eye roll. I mean, how often do you hear that? We we have people that come in solely for that purpose, and we try we you know, we're as respectful as we can be in, in telling, presenting the science as it is. Whether or not they accept that, that's completely up to them. What do, do they generally? I mean, do you feel like you can ever change somebody's mind, or are they like, nope, I don't believe it. I don't care what you show me. Little column A, little column B. You know, there's some that come in with an open an open mind, and there are some that come in that just want to fight. So. Last question on that, on this kind of topic, in the sense that, like, what did they say when you show them, like, no, this, this is, this is a bone, like, this is, this is real, touch it. Most of them will will argue about the ages more than anything. They'll they'll believe it's real, but they'll believe that it's not as old as it is. Like it was around two hundred years ago, or something. Something like that. That's like, that would be a little bit difficult. Now, how did the photography stuff? Were you a photographer before you started taking the pictures or vice versa? Um, photography just kind of started as a hobby. I traded some DVDs to a friend for a small camera, and that kind of blossomed into a, a hobby that pays me every now and then. I do, I do photography outside of work as well. So, Do you remember what the DVDs were? It was the Chappelle Show Season 1. Dang. It was tough to part ways with those, but I'm glad I did. Just that one DVD for a camera? Yeah, it was a yeah, it was just a little point and shoot, just a little little handheld one. Do you ever regret not having the Chappelle Show season one? No, nah, not one bit. <laughs> if you're if you're into dinosaurs, definitely check it out. I mean, it's a it's a very specialized field, but it's it's been a lot of fun from the from day one. When you see like a dinosaur exhibit or something like that, is that the generally the real bones or is that 
a casting of what the real bones look like? Um, sometimes, sometimes there, you have both of them in a museum. Like our museum, we have both. So like since we don't have T-Rexes in our area, we have a cast T-Rex from South Dakota. We have one in our museum called Supersaurus, where the, the animal that's mounted is a cast. Because the real bones are so heavy and so big, all you would see is like a metal armature. Yeah, because obviously you can't get a Brontosaurus into a building. How does that work in terms – are these things pretty valuable? I mean, do people ever sell them on the private market? Unfortunately, they do. Um, private fossil sales aren't good for academic purposes. There's no guarantee that researchers will have access to that. And, you know, if, if you were to come in with a fossil and ask us the, the value of it, we're going to tell you that scientifically there is no value. It's, it's priceless. How much stuff can you guys really learn from the bones itself? It's endless, honestly. I mean, you can you can do range of motion things, so you're learning speeds, and you can you know you're, they're using methods to, to you know decipher like strength, jaw strength, bite bite power, and and more than more than just the bones fossilized. Sometimes you'll find soft tissues and things like that, and that just leads to a more complete picture of the animal. They generally don't look like what we think that most people would think they look like, do they? Paleontology is always changing. Dinosaurs are always changing from the old tail on the ground dragging to these much more you know nimbler giant dinosaurs you know this these guys are 20 feet tall but they're they're very nimble and that wasn't the case 50 years ago you know we thought they were all dragging their tails on the ground cold-blooded monsters and they're they're much more active than that they're much more much more spry than what we used to believe were were most of them generally really big or were most it just kind of ran the gamut it's like it is today you know you have just as many that are big and just as many that are small you know ranging from you know like elephants and giraffes to you know cats and shrews if they were still here do you think we would be that's a good question i mean that's some of them were were rather intelligent so that you know there's a very good chance that it would have been quite a quite a fight but you know we have thumbs you know that's that's a big thing um reminds me of a quote from neil tyson you know the reason that dinosaurs went extinct is because they didn't have a space program and they didn't have thumbs it's amazing what, what that one little digit has allowed us to accomplish. You try to imagine life without a thumb, and it's, you know, you're not getting very far. Can you, I mean, what is the best dinosaur movie? Easily, it's the first Jurassic Park, in my opinion. I mean, that's, that's the quintessential dinosaur movie. Can you watch it now and, and enjoy it, or are you like, that's not real, that's not true, that's not? I've compromised with myself. I recognize it as a monster movie at this point. Um, any opinions on the land before time? It's sadder than it needs to be. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> could they? Do you, do you guys have any sense if they could communicate with each other? Oh, I'm, I'm sure they could, just like you know, like animals today can. You know, it's not something that we can understand. Somehow, basically, like animals today can communicate. Yeah, you know? like it's just they're not asking each other about dinner or something like that. No, but they're telling you know they're telling you there's danger over there. Hey, you know there's some food over here. They were able to do that, I'm sure. So now, do you do a lot of nature photography as well? I mean, I saw some of your stuff, stuff, but I didn't want to go full online stalker. <laughs> uh, yeah, I prefer like uh, landscapes and, and and wildlife things like that. You know, I don't need to tell a mountain how to pose. It's doing a good job on its own. Okay, we'll hear more from Levi later on in the show when we go over top five dinosaurs. Now let's give John a call, though. And the pattern that I've noticed recently with him is that he's really motivated about the podcast for like a day or two. 
comes out on Wednesday. He's usually all pumped up on Wednesday. He's got ideas on Thursday, and then there's just nothing. When it comes down to actually then doing the next one, it's hard to get him to focus. So we're going to give him a call right now and see if we can get an explanation of exactly why that is. Probably not, but we're going to give it a shot. Hey, this is John. Uh, leave me a message, and I will get back to you when I can. Do you think that he rec- did you do you guys think that he recorded that in his car? Because there's obviously a very loud sound at the beginning of it that's unclear what that is. Also, how did he have an uh an audible uh in the middle of his own voicemail message when all he said was hey this is John leave me a message? How did that one sentence throw him off enough that he had to pause? Listen, so we just heard your voicemail message and we've got some questions about your voicemail. <laughs> time i missed the phone call and all right fine what what do you what do you what are the questions number one did you record it in your car yes number two there is a very long and audible uh in the middle of it when the voice message is actually only hey this is john leave me a message why did you did you get nervous and you didn't know what to do or what happened because it sounds like you dropped the ball you know i haven't even listened to it in many years i'm not even entirely sure that I remember what you're speaking of, but it's probably, I was probably trying to extend the voicemail and then just had nothing else to say, so then I just wrapped it up. Do you feel like, I don't think people should even leave voicemails anymore except for your boss or your mother. I mean, who listens to them is my question. Like, do you listen to yours? No. I I am more likely to respond to a text than ever respond to somebody who called me and left a voicemail only. What What is the appropriate amount of time that goes in between if you call someone and they don't answer and then you text them, how much time does that other person have to wait before it's obviously they're they're ducking your phone calls but will text you back? I believe this has like a term. I don't know what the term is, but I'm sure it's on Urban Dictionary. But I'm I'm notorious for this to where someone will call me and I will not answer the phone call, but then I will text you back like 10 minutes later saying, hey, sorry I missed your phone call. What's up? If you say that, if anybody says that, the chances that they are lying, do you think that they're anything less than 99%? Uh, no, most definitely not. It's like, to be honest, it's like, yeah, I saw you calling. I didn't really want to answer the phone for whatever reason, so I'll give it like the courtesy 10 minutes, and then I'll pretend like I may have been actually doing something, and then I'll get a hold of you, hoping that you text me back instead of calling me. Why do you always say, to be honest? I don't understand that. I don't know that either. That's something my wife has asked me and questioned me about since the since our first date. Because it's she not, goes, well, you're implying that you were essentially lying to us the entire time before that. Well, I'm always lying to you, so I guess I'm lying to everybody. I don't know why I say, to be honest. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> what an idiot. I, I, I think a lot of people say stuff to essentially fill in the gaps so that there's no quiet time. Like they're buying themselves time to say the next thing that they haven't thought of yet. I had uh, a lot of feedback this week from people I know and some that I don't know about our PSL uh, discussion. Pumpkin spice latte for those not in the business. Every place that I've been to has a pumpkin spice something, whether it's from like a pumpkin spice sundae to a pumpkin spice, I don't know, shake. They, I mean, every every place is doing something, and they don't call it pumpkin spice. 
It's PSL, and it pisses me off every time. No, it's completely inappropriate. The abbreviation of it is what makes it ridiculous. And it has to be the most uh, absurd, you know, acronym, you know, PSL for pumpkin spice latte. It's ridiculous. What about my pumpkin foot up your ass? What's that? It's an issue that I think that we as a society need to really address. The over-abbreviation of everything has become ridiculous. Everything has an abbreviation. Well, I'm a big fan of some of them, like Gunkle. I've always found Gunkle to be very humorous. What the what the fuck is Gunkle? Gay uncle. <laughs> Let's move on right now. Did you like dinosaurs as a kid? Of course. What? For, first off, I'm, what boy didn't like? I, I'm gonna make this gender based first. I'm gonna say what boy didn't like dinosaurs as a kid. Yeah, I, I, I think pretty much everybody had some sort of dinosaur-themed shirt as a child. Secondly, I'm about to blow the lid off this whole conversation, and I'm going to ask you the $1,000 question. Okay. Do you believe that dinosaurs were real? Yes. Okay, fair enough. Do you not? I'm skeptical. I am very skeptical that that <sighs> they actually existed. How are you possibly skeptical about this? I'm probably going to sound real ignorant. Yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah, let's hear pretty, this. Pretty ignorant. I'm, I'm, I'm going to just throw it out there before I get hated on by everyone. You know, all three people that listen to this. However, for there being millions and millions of dinosaurs that we think roamed the world at one time, mm-hmm. h- how many actual skeletons have been found and erected? See, but okay, I can understand. That that thought process, like, well, we haven't found that many skeletons. But then you have to think, this was 140 million years ago, 65 million years ago at the earliest. How many things do you know that have been around for 65 million years? And I get that, and I'm not trying, I'm not trying to like, I don't know, start a conspiracy theory here. That's not what I want to do with this conversation. But I'm saying that that long ago, like, how was there even history? From that long ago, like, how was the recorded history, what, like, caveman's drawing, like, big dogs on a wall, and we're going to say that's a dinosaur? I feel like you need to read more books. Well, I, I probably need to read the right kind of books Just, instead it, of Hustler and Playboy, but that's another conversation for another time. But those things weren't, like, 65 million years ago is a long time ago. Like, humans weren't even around, I don't think, in any kind of form or anything like that until millions of years later. Exactly my point. So how is there any recorded history that these big ass airplane type animals walk the earth? Well, they found their bones. How do we even know that's real? Do you know who we talked to on this episode of the podcast? Of course not, because you never give me a heads up whatsoever. We literally talked to the guy who goes out and digs up the dinosaur bones and puts them together. See, well, first off, that's a badass guess. That's a good get. Do you know how dumb that guy currently thinks that you are? That's absolutely fine. I wish I could have a conversation with, uh, what's his name, Brett? Levi. Levi, sure. Sure, it's really Levi. We're going to start calling him Jeff Goldblum. How about that? Jeff Goldblum, one of the most underrated actors of his generation. Um, Didn't you have... Did you I can't agree with you on that? Did you or did you not have a cardboard cutout of Jeff Goldblum? 
I've ne- no, I never had a cardboard cutout of Jeff Goldblum no. ever, nor would I ever. That is not what your wife told me. She told she told you I had a cardboard cutout of Jeff Goldblum, or something along those lines, like a big poster <laughs> or something. Well, that's uh, that definitely caught me off guard. Yep, yep. Uh, okay. Are you denying it? No, uh, I am denying it, but. I have picked up some things while I've been inebriated along the way. Maybe that was one of them. I don't really remember, nor know. So you may have had a cardboard cutout of Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> Maybe at one point. I, I, I just want to go back on this for one second. Because this is going to make me sound even more stupid. I'm a big fan of letting people dig their own graves. Jurassic Park, right? The best dinosaur movie ever made, right? Can we agree on that? Yeah, well, are you going original dinosaur movie? The original Jurassic Park? Yeah, 1993. Whoa, throwing out dates. Well, no, so well, why I bring that up is, so I, I talk all this all this about dinosaurs possibly not being real. You know, I'm a, a questioner, blah, blah, blah. However, that was the first movie I, I had ever seen in theaters. And I loved it so much. I'm pretty sure I could be off on the number. But I'm pretty sure I seen that movie in theaters as a little kid at least seven times. But yet you didn't believe the dinosaurs were real. I mean, of course I did growing up. But now that I'm older, and you know, and you do some more of your own research, and you look into things on your own, you're not swayed by, you know, T Rexes and gigantic CGI creatures. You know, I'm not saying they weren't real. I am not saying that. But I am. I do question the authenticity. Of, of of everything. I mean, like I said, how many complete bones? I understand they're millions and millions and millions of years old. But if you can find one, don't you think there'd be plenty more? Well, yeah, but they're, they find them. It's just hard. I mean, you have to look I, at it. Look at it from this perspective. When you see mountains around you, the dinosaurs are older than those mountains. <laughs> Which, um, but, I mean, says who? Says, says who? Science. Well, I, I guess that's where we where we have to draw a line. I, who who knows how old the dinosaurs actually were? Well, they can Did carbon I, date them. Okay, I, I go back to how many actual fossils have been found and put together to prove that a brontosaurus was eighty feet tall. Well, I mean, what? Well, the, here's my thing about this. What kind? Of, okay, so let's see if they found. Let's say they found a thousand. Would you say that's not enough? If you say that's not enough, then how many do they need? Five thousand? Ten thousand? Maybe, maybe I should maybe I should reword my ignorant uh, comment. Please do. Maybe, <laughs> Let's hear this. Maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not that they they never existed. However, maybe it's the capacity at, at which uh, society has made all of us think of dinosaurs and how they looked and how big they were. I mean, maybe the T-Rex really wasn't 30 feet tall. Maybe it was just like a fucking miniature horse with gigantic teeth. Well, okay, so I get, I, not to dwell on it, but I get your, I get the point that you're making. Like, what did it really actually look like is probably something that's harder to determine just from the bones alone. But I don't think that somebody could say, no, you know what, it turns out the T-Rex was 28 feet tall, and they've been telling us it was 30 feet tall, so they're completely wrong. I mean, well, I mean, once again, I think we're gonna keep going around and around on this. I think, I think you're right. I think everyone out there who questions history is is right. 
I mean, the problem is, is we'll never know. You know, we'll never know any of this. I don't care how many fossils you find. Okay, well then what we need to do, you and I, is... Road trip to Wyoming? Yeah, get some GoPros on our heads, go out to Wyoming and go on a dinosaur hunt. I think that's a great idea. I feel like, though, if you would have talked to him, the conversation would have basically went like this. Hey, Levi, my name is John Shaw. I don't think the dinosaurs really existed. And he would have said, no, you're completely wrong. And, and that would, would basically... Threw, and then I would have threw my beer at him, and then he would have threw his back at me, and it would have just gotten ugly. Yeah. And I would have filmed it. I would have watched. <laughs> okay, so let's put aside the fact that you don't, you're questioning of dinosaurs. Can you do your top five dinosaurs? So this one was a toughie for me. I got, I got to be honest with you. I realized I did not know that many dinosaurs, and I know I, I'm going to need your help on their names because I still couldn't find any of the ones really that I was thinking of. Did you? Do you not have internet? I do, but I, I type in like a dinosaur type fish, and it brings up nothing that I was thinking of. It's a problem. <laughs> it is a problem. Apparently, I'm just failing at every aspect in my life. Look, I'm going to have to say it's not going well. To be honest with you, I'm going to have to say that. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> you gotta just uh, find, reach out when this conversation ends, just find the nearest book and start reading it. It doesn't matter. Pamphlet, whatever it is, just start reading it. Okay, go with your number one. No, wait. We're going. This is the one we do five to one. This is the in okay. order. What's your number five? Number five, uh, Megalodon. Megalo- Megalo- <laughs> I can't even say it. Number one, that's not a dinosaur, that's a shark. I can't even say it right. <laughs> it's not a dinosaur, it's a shark if you're trying to say Megalodon. Yeah, a Megalodon. I think that's a shark technically and not a dinosaur. It's a prehistoric animal. Doesn't that classify as a dinosaur? No, I mean, sharks have been around for a long time. I'm pretty sure it's a shark and not a dinosaur. But uh, I understand that it's a shark, but it, it's from that period. Doesn't that classify as a dinosaur? No, I don't think so. I don't know why, but I'm pretty sure I don't think it does. It's just a shark. Like a dinosaur is a dinosaur and a shark is a shark. You know, like they said in Happy Gilmore, green jacket, blue jacket, who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> that may have been right. the best joke you've ever had in your life. <laughs> All right, what's, what's your number five? Brontosaurus. Can't go wrong with a brontosaurus. Yeah, they're just big and dumb. I know how that is. Speaking of big and dumb, my number four... <laughs> My number four is a Triceratops. Ooh, I had that at number three. My number four was the Stegosaurus, which is the one with, like, the spiky tail, I believe. And my number three was... That was my number three. Really? So we got them basically reversed. Yeah, we flip-flopped them. Yeah, okay. What's your number two, then? I mean, it's it's pretty easy for, for my... I mean, my number two is a Velociraptor. No, so is mine. I know what your number one is. It's T-Rex. Yeah, of course. You think T-Rex had a good life, though? I mean, I was I was actually, when I was writing down this list, I was thinking, like, so T-Rex, you know, they were vicious, and they, you know, they were, could run fast, and obviously, you know, they were uh, predators, but I mean, didn't their little arms, like, not help them out at all? I feel like T-Rex had a difficult life. I feel like... 
if dinosaurs were a lot like us, like T-Rex was kind of the big, the big scary guy that was just really misunderstood. you like let your guard down then he fucking ate you but that's not his fault he's just being t-rex i feel like t-rex had a hard life are you putting a personality now to a t-rex yeah basically he's misunderstood okay all right are there any are there any like honorable mention dinosaurs i honestly don't know any other ones maybe yes you do well okay here's the thing i know names but i couldn't actually picture it like diplodon aceratrex um now you're just making shit up. What was the last one? Plesiosaur. Plesiosaur's a good one. That's the underwater one with the big fins. Oh, nice. Or if you're a Pokemon fan, Lapras. No. <laughs> no, back up. You did. Okay, got it. Okay, well, whatever. Do you believe that Pokemon were real? There's thousands, <laughs> There's millions of Pokemon. So are those real? You know, Nick, to be honest with you, I'm going to have to say no on that one. <laughs> Have you ever seen the thing that says the Flat Earth Society has members all around the globe? Of course. I'm no joke. I'm pretty sure I did an interview with somebody from the Flat Earth Society. So now that you've heard the idiot's opinions, let's go back to the professional. Let's bring Levi back in and hear what he thinks the top five best dinosaurs are. And he couldn't really go into a lot of detail about this just because of the way research and press releases and all that kind of stuff works. But if you listen close you'll hear him talk about something that I was just amazed by, a new dinosaur. Okay, here's the hard questions. Okay. Top five best dinosaurs. Oh, man. Um, Archaeopteryx is number one. Uh, Tyrannosaurus, just, you know, it's iconic. It's cool, big head, big teeth, gotta love that. Oh, man, after that, Velociraptor, both the, the Jurassic Park and the real one, because they're both terrifying. Allosaurus are really cool. We find we find uh, found a few of those on our property, so they really need to. You know, I've got some personal time invested in Allosaurus. Is that the water one, or is that the? Uh, it's like a miniature version of the T Rex. Like he'd be he'd be two legs, uh, smaller head, longer arms, more digits. Let's go with Triceratops. It's the state dinosaur of Wyoming. So, what um, if you had to pick one that's like a sleeper? What's the one that you really like that people don't know about? Call me again in five months, and I'll tell you. Did you guys buy one? We got one that we're working on right now. It's brand new, and when it comes out, that's going to be way up on my list. So you guys found, like, a brand new dinosaur? Yeah, and we're it's currently in research right now. They're writing up a description of it. And when that's all published and released, it's going to move up my list because it's a, it's a neat little dinosaur. It's a That's amazing, though, to find so, that. Uh, We'll have to do a follow-up when it comes out. Yeah. But that's, I mean, how did you guys, and I know you probably can't say much about it, but, like, how did you realize, oh, we we don't know what this is? Um, you know, next time we'll have to bring the researcher on. I'm not as uh, privy to that. It was found in, originally in 1995. And just kind of sat in a box for a while until we realized that, hey, something about this isn't right. I guess that's true. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily... It's got to be very difficult to to piece them together, in the sense that you're just you're kind of in some ways an educated guess all the time. Now it is time for the tip of the week. John Shaw is here with the tip of the week. 
His ideas are so big you can only handle the tip. So here he is with just the tip of the week. Do you have a tip of the week or did you forget about it? No, I have a great tip of the week and actually it's not even about me this week. Ooh, a tip of the week that someone else had a life lesson. Yeah, well, I don't know if they have a life lesson, but they should have life lessons. So, and you, you're going to know exactly where I'm going as soon as I start this, but uh, Floyd Mayweather, famous hmm. boxer from Saginaw, Michigan. Guy's hmm. made, I looked it up, he's made over $400 fighting, or by, boxing rather, alone. Like throughout the last fifteen years, four hundred million dollars just in 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 contracts. It's not even revenue, whatever else they sign. I don't know. You're kind of a boxing fan, right? Yeah. He comes out this week, or it comes out. I think actually think came out last week, um, and it said that uh, he was going broke. He needs to find fights. How in the absolute fuck? Do you make hundreds of millions of dollars and you don't have one person around you that's like, uh, well, you're making $30 million from this fight. Maybe you should just put that away for a rainy day. I, it, it, is, it boggles the mind, but there's this great documentary, Broke, that ESPN or somebody did a number of years ago that shows that this is incredibly common, that a lot of these famous athletes end up growing broke. But the question always comes down to, at least with – people that I talk to about this who are not experts by any mean, but the one thing that always gets brought up is the education, you know, the, the person, you know, doesn't have the support system. They didn't grow up knowing how to handle money. But then like one of the arguments that makes sense to me about that is what 1% of the world grows up with all this money, right? That they don't ever have to know what to do with anything else. Most of us grow up from the bottom up. So I mean, I I find a hard time finding that as a as a reasonable an excuse as an excuse. And I found this to be true in my own personal life as well. They've actually done studies that shows that whatever percentage amount of money that you save, whether that's five percent, ten percent, whatever, you will continue to do that no matter how much money that you make. So if you spend all your money, it doesn't matter how much money you have. You're going to spend it all. If you're a saver, you will always be a saver. And I think that that basically applies across the board i just don't i just don't get it like you you but you gamble away a hundred million dollars in a year are you jesus like my mind is blown to me math is the most power is one of the most powerful forces in the universe and i think that people underestimate it like you don't realize that spending fifty thousand dollars a day even when you have 400 million that 400 million ends up going away pretty quick like math adds up. You remember we had that professional sports gambler on a couple of episodes, and he's like, "You just start chasing it. You start chasing it." I, I don't know, but that can be a super slippery slope, it seems. And it just, you know, I read an article uh, in one of the n- national publications about Money Mayweather that you know that kind of that thought process of what you know of what you just mentioned. Uh, you know, like Mayweather, he, he's done boxing, right? Like. He goes back to his mansions and, like, there's nothing there to fulfill him except gambling, where he may win, he may lose. You know, he's chasing the excitement. 
I think that's all. I've always been fascinated by that in sports people that basically all of your life is front loaded. You make all of your money at the front end, you get all of your glory at the front end, and then everything else is essentially just downhill from there. Is so basically is your tip of the week don't blow four hundred million dollars? <laughs> yeah. To bring it full circle, that that would be that would be a great tip. Don't blow four hundred million dollars gambling. <laughs> At least do it on hookers and cocaine. Another brilliant tip from the <laughs> legendary John Shaw. Um, let's move into our second, our stupider top five, which is top five cars that just make you generally suspicious of the person or that people shouldn't basically be driving. This isn't in any particular order. I'll start it off. Mazda Miata. <laughs> I mean, anything uh, that is made fun of in a movie. Uh, is, is, is an ultimate, like, no-no for me. I'm going to go the big white Astro Vans. <laughs> oh, yeah. You see anybody strolling, any, I'm going to go any male, Caucasian male, strolling down the street, and one of those things you immediately think, stranger danger. Yeah. I'm going to go with a beaver whacker, the beaver whacker car. <laughs> I don't even know what a beaver whacker car is looks like or is this must be a midwest thing because i told somebody else the beaver whacker and nobody knew what it was i i mean can you explain it the beaver accurately the beaver whacker is the station wagon with the wood paneling on it oh okay like the uh the national lampoons uh family vehicle yeah basically okay i kind of generalized this but i said any small sedan that can't fit a human being that weighs over 200 pounds you're going like your your average Fiat? Yeah, Fiat, Ford Fiestas, Dodge Avenger, Dodge Prowler back when they made those. Oh, God, that was a terrible car. I didn't trust anybody in a Dodge Prowler. <laughs> yeah, well, there's probably a reason why they don't make them anymore. I'm going to go uh, with, similar to the Dodge Prowler in my mind, is the PT Cruiser. The PT Cruiser. Man, those are... Uh... Those are death traps. I don't think those have ever done very well on the safety ratings. Probably on purpose because they figured anybody who bought this thing should just really go ahead and go out. I'm glad you mentioned that because we'll, we'll, that is a perfect segue into my next one, which are smart cars. Oh, the little tiny, tiny things. The ones yeah. that don't even register on the safety list because if you get hit by a strong gust of wind... It will fly you off into a ditch. This is one of those things. Every time I've seen one, I've been like, man, I bet that's great gas mileage. Boy, I don't want to drive one of those things. Yeah, I, I don't care if they get 2,000 miles per gallon. You're not getting my fat ass in one of those things ever. Why wouldn't you just go motorcycle? It's just basically the same thing. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how that compares, but... Good gas mileage, generally cheap, can't carry shit. You have like a modified dirt bike. Don't the black bat? Don't ever <laughs> insult the black bat like that. That is an original <laughs> motorcycle. That is a standard basic motorcycle. She doesn't start right now, but she's twelve years going strong. Well, you know what? There's something to be said about vintage anything. I, I'm gonna go with any soft top convertible. Don't buy a soft top. Just well, don't. So do actually, it. you know, I'm glad you said that because here in the Midwest, or I don't know, I guess I'll just say Michigan. There's a, like, a stigma against those kind of, those cars, right? Because you can drive them for two or three months, maybe. Well, really, maybe four or five months. But then the rest of the, the, rest of the year, they're, they're worth shit. 
No, a soft top is a stupid decision. You're basically saying I'm an idiot. <laughs> what about those cube ones that are shaped like a cube? Oh, man. Uh, so when you say vehicle, I, I, I kind of expanded it. And I said uh, any person on a moped, unless you're dumb and dumbering it with someone on the back seat, clenched to you. And it has to be a man or a man or a woman on a woman. Well, <laughs> yeah, you can't have two opposite sexes on a moped. I think that's no, pretty you understood. You, you can't do it. You can't. You can't, you can't do it. It's not romantic. If there's any young college kids out there listening to this, just don't do it. I've always understood that basically owning a moped means you have a DUI. No, because you still have to have a license to drive a moped, right? Not necessarily. If it's under a certain amount of CCs, I don't think it's even considered like a anything. You can just... I've always been like, oh, that guy got a DUI. <laughs> I, I usually don't say that, but now I'll start looking more intently, I suppose. I will say one of the most terrifying experiences of my young life was when me and two other friends accidentally rode rented mopeds onto the highway in Miami and <laughs> basically almost died instantly. <laughs> Dude, Miami's a crazy place in general on the highways. And you assholes are on mopeds? Well, we lived our lives up in Kansas up until that point and never experienced a big city and didn't understand the way that interstates worked and ended up on, like, I-4 or something or I-5 or what I-1 or whatever and thought, oh, <laughs> yeah. dear God, we've got to get off of this. Do you have any other ones? The one that that always also stands out to me big time is basically the Chomo van. Uh, well, is that like the hipster van? Yeah, but it's not all hippied up. It's basically, you know, like, oh, that person is about to kidnap someone. All right, that's starting to wind down. So let's go ahead and wind down this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you guys so much for listening. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. It really helps us out, and we really appreciate it. I also really want to thank Levi Schenkel for joining us. If you want to get in touch with him, we have links to all of his social media as well as the Wyoming Dinosaur Center on our social media. It's Profoundly Pointless on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well. Coming up on the next episode... We're either going to talk to a guy who lives in Antarctica, an independent wrestler, or somebody who basically makes their living off of Twitch. And if you don't know what Twitch is, essentially you just let people watch you live your everyday life so far as the way that I understand it. So we'll see which one of those we were able to get done first is essentially the way that this is going to work. I want to remind everybody that we have switched our podcast hosting site over to Podbean. I don't really know what that means. But again, I feel like I should continue to mention it just because that's what they told me to do. Um, If you have any comments to the show, it's really easy on that website if you're listening through it through Podbean to just make any comments. We'd love to hear from you guys. We're still working on figuring out how we're going to incorporate more listeners into the audience, into the show. So hopefully we can get that done next time. And we're also still working on making a better ending. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.